Welcome to Hello from the Pluriverse, a podcast about sharing the stories of designers and design thinkers from different backgrounds around the world. I'm Leslie-Anne Noel, a designer from Trinidad and Tobago and a professor of practice at Tulane University in New Orleans. The name of our podcast is a reference to Designs for the Pluriverse by Arturo Escobar. In our podcast, we explore the stories of designers from many different countries, women designers, designers of color, and designers from the LGBTQI community. In our interviews, we explore how place and identity affect their work, what they say about design, design thinking, and social innovation, and what advice they would give to non-designers who are using design methods. We'll continue to share more stories throughout the series about designers from many different worlds, from our little corner of the world, at the Phyllis M. Taylor Center for Social Innovation and Design Thinking. Welcome to the Hello from the Port Pluriverse podcast. My name is Max Esperance. I'm a, a one-year Master of Business Analytics student here at Tulane University. I'm a design thinking graduate assistant working at the Phyllis M. Taylor Center for Social Innovation and Design Thinking. I plan to be a business intelligence analyst in the future and work my way up corporate ranks at a major company. I'm also very interested in real estate, art, and sculpture. Uh, I was born in Haiti and I have a military background. And joining me today is my co-host, Natalie. Uh, Natalie, how are you? I'm good. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Natalie Hudnick. I'm in the second year in the Master of Public Health and Maternal and Child Health program here at Tulane's School of Public Health and Tropical Medicine. And I'm also a design thinking graduate assistant working at the Taylor Center. I hope to one day soon work in public health at a state health department, hopefully working in a maternal and child health division. I'm originally from outside St. Louis, Missouri, and I have a bachelor's degree in cultural anthropology. So today we are going to be listening to an interview of Randall Wilson II. Randall is the lead design lead in digital messaging at Capital One in Chicago and is a co-creator and creative director of Hue Design Summit a four-day immersive conference and community for designers of color. While he may be employed as a formal designer, Randall seeks to use his own hobbies like Lego design and building to facilitate design and design thinking processes, which is somewhat of a callback to his previous experience in architecture, a path he took on his way to becoming a self-taught designer. I'm really looking forward to hearing Randall talk about his Hue Design Summit in more detail, as well as his thoughts on design and design thinking, being that he is a self-taught designer. What about you, Max? So, uh, Randall describes his experiences and interests as a spider web. You know, he thinks that everything may be connected in his life, but not everything he does needs to be related. So I'm looking forward to hearing him describe this spider web that is his life. Um, so without further ado, let's, let's have a listen. Self-taught designer. Um, huh? I went, to, I was in college for architecture. Um, okay. Got went ahead and, and after I decided that architecture wasn't where I was going to um, go in my future, I just went ahead and got the degree, um, but pivoted towards the end of my college career and right after. Um, so now uh, I'm a UX designer at Capital One. Um, I also... You can say play with, but that makes me sound like I'm 12. Um, <laughs> um, I, I'm a Lego enthusiast in my spare cool. time. Um, so uh, myself and a friend of mine, we started making hip hop themed Lego pieces a couple years ago. Um, and also on the side, I uh, 
helped found the Hue Design Summit. Um, I'm sure, did, did Dr. Leslie tell you about that? No, okay, well she, she was there. Oh really? She was there, yeah, she came and presented and she, she had a really good presentation, I enjoyed it. Um, she closed it yeah. out, actually, so. Huh, yeah. she doesn't tell us these things, but I know she's, no. really, she's really credible and she'll probably see this when I send her the recording. Uh, <laughs> she's too humble, she's too humble. Like, she's yeah. like, oh, yeah. you know, it's just Leslie. I'm like, no, it's Dr. No. Leslie because yeah. you earned it. So yes. it is, it's a four day unconference for designers of color in Atlanta. So it's supposed to be intimate and introvert friendly. Um, cool. It's small by design because um, it's not our day job. So we have to, um, you know, put, make it at a scale that is uh, both accessible um, and, uh, and small enough for us to handle. Um, okay. but also, but also it's supposed to serve as, as more a, a place to have more meaningful relationships and connections with people. Um, yeah. in addition to skill building and professional development, um, we have it in a house, not in a regular conference hall. Mm hmm so, um, and then, you know, we get speakers like Dr. Leslie, uh, to give, um, presentations or workshops, um, for the attendees that are there. They range from, you know, early career, like entry level yeah. to, you know, well-established veterans. So, uh, that is the summit. I'm a design lead for, um, Outside of Capital One, you may just say the email team, but inside okay. we're digital messaging um, because we do more than email. But for you know shorthand, I work on the email team at Capital One, um, and I've been there for over eight years. Um, I'm in Chicago right now. I've been here for two years, um, but I lived in Virginia for six. Um, oh, I actually, cool. this is actually kind of like my first real job. Um, cause like a couple years after I graduated, um, I was still like un slash underemployed, but then, you know, randomly got this job and then stayed with the company ever since. First time I've heard of design thinking, I think was a couple years after I started the job, um, at Capital One, we had a, we had an all day workshop, um, uh -huh. and they gave the, uh, the prompt of giving somebody a gift. Um, uh -huh. so you had to, um, you had to survey, you know, what they may need or what they may want. Um, and then, you know, come up with your hypothesis and then come up with the test and then test it and then, you know, uh, iterate. Um, uh -huh. so, uh, that was my first time coming up against it. What is my personal definition of design? Yeah. Um, my personal definition of design. See, now I feel like, you know, cause you're, you're in college and I'm like, I'm supposed to be this, uh, this young professional that I'm supposed to have some like high, high, uh, falutin thoughts about design. Um, <laughs> um, sometimes I think of it as, as, uh, I mean, it's a way for us to to navigate the world, yeah. um, you know, because because 
navigation without design is is kind of you're just aimlessly walking or aimlessly interacting um we use you know the way that we use convention to uh to get around mm -hmm. um where we are right so like signs what how how books are i guess written um or created or you know like dvd cases where you expect to see things in certain places if you need to scan it things like that so i think it's a i mean it's it's artful translation if it had to boil it down into words yeah and make it a little prettier if it's that because sometimes design isn't necessarily aesthetic it's also like how it works yeah so right so it's it's um you know i think in that case you know artful uh translation still applies um it is supposed to remove as much friction as possible um in the way that we see and touch and interact with the world um how does how does design help me design or design thinking what do i got here design thinking design thinking um i think it helps to level set and set expectations, um, not only with myself and my team, but like with other teams that we work with. Yeah. Um, teams that may not be uh, immersed in the world of design, uh, such as product teams or tech teams or anybody that is is not driven by you know the disciplines that we work under. Um, yeah. So when we bring up concepts like testing. Um, you're you're able to not only provide a hypothesis, but get to a point where they'll probably be more agreeable if they understand that we're not. This is not a finite solution. We're trying to find the answer through yeah. thinking. Um, and so nobody's nobody has to put their foot down and say, you know, I'm right. We're both finding out together. Place I can speak to both in in context and also concept if that even makes sense um i can't create a lot of good stuff if i'm not inspired by the space i'm in in the place i'm in um yeah. one of is one of the reasons why i wanted to move away from uh richmond virginia where i was living mm -hmm. um going from atlanta to a small city like that i wasn't i wasn't really uh fired up to to come up with the best things even not not necessarily in work but just you know i like to create so yeah. having having something to inspire me wasn't really present um in a place like that um but also in terms of uh context um being uh being in a major like architecture you learn how to design within the fabric of a community or a neighborhood or a place that you're in um yeah. either fitting into the fabric or deliberately contrasting um so that that uh competency has stayed with me through um architecture school into ux um because you're you're designing for you're designing a thing to go in a specific place to do a specific thing um and you can't do that in a vacuum you need to understand right. 
the, the surroundings and the conditions under which uh, you're creating something. Yes. Um, as far as identity, giving voice to perspectives that aren't traditionally seen in design. Yeah. Uh, just by virtue of my background being a black designer. Mm -hmm. um, there was a census that came out earlier this year, like black designers make up 3% of the workforce in, uh. in design, right? So, but that, I don't think it was, every single designer in the country didn't take it. Yeah. Um, 9,000. Um, and it was, it was voluntary at that. But, um, you know, just being able to be in the room and say, hey, you know, think about this or something that I think of if I'm trying to articulate a point um, of other, and not just my background, but other um, like populations and demographics and, and backgrounds that aren't uh, accounted for in maybe yeah. product design or messaging or anything like that. Like, you know, dyslexic people, how do we design emails that they're able to uh, consume and not have uh, difficulty reading? Um, things like that. Uh, as far as identity affecting how I design, I think the most salient example of that is the Hue Design Summit that I mentioned at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Um, just creating that space and facilitating dialogue and uh, providing a place to grow skills um, and build connections that will ultimately benefit everybody involved. Um, Having, having a network of people that you can call on, uh, even if it's not for a job, if it's a project, or if it's you know just picking somebody's brain, um, yeah. that I think came out of an innate need to uh, have a place in the world of design. So that probably is the most um, obvious example of identity affecting. I think uh, it's, it's it's but also like building connections in ways that people are comfortable doing yeah um right and not just doing uh the the regular old you know name tag walk up to somebody and say hey how are you doing i do this um and not have it be so transactional but more inquisitive as, as in in my experience um well in the summit's experience how we started off is the first day isn't um, isn't programming. It's a welcome dinner. Hmm. So you meet people without any airs of design. So you hopefully get to know somebody as a person before you see them with any lens of what their skills are, what they're good at, what can they do for you. Mm -hmm. uh, so that you're able to relate better. Um, I've heard it described as a conference slash family slash cookout slash camp, right? So it's supposed to, it's doing all of the things that we want it to do um, yes. and provide a place for people to not be so intimidated um, if they feel like they're not, you know, a real designer, whatever that means. Um, if they have imposter syndrome, come join a full room <laughs> of imposters. <laughs> design thinking to me is what the process should be and then design is the output. Because um, process is where the value is. You can't you can't design something and say here, like I made something valuable. But how do you know that it's valuable? What 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 did you do to get to this point? 
um, what informed the choices that you made as far as like color theory. If you're talking about something aesthetic, color theory, typography, um, photography, what are the emotions? What are the intentions um, behind your work? Um, and how, again, how do you, whatever you intend for that thing may not be how everybody interacts with that thing. Um, so that's why design thinking is important um, to really understand users or uh, customers um, and, and have an informed opinion and a hypothesis. Um, somebody, I, as I said, users, I was just thinking somebody uh, at work mentioned that the only two people that call uh, people users are designers and drug dealers. I think when done correctly and done with proper guidance and context that it can be very valuable. Um, there is an article that somebody else at the Hue Design Summit mentioned brought up, which the title is Design Thinking is BS. Sure. Um, but if you read the article, apparently, the context is design thinking being some uh, like hot new thing that people outside of design use to say that they're actually um, doing research and empathy interviews and all this other stuff. Um, without really having anything to anchor it to. So um, I think it's, I think design thinking is, uh, I think design thinking is, is, like I said, valuable. Do not work off of your uninformed opinion. Don't uh, say, this is what I think it is. This is what I think the answer is. And fear everything to that answer, that's called confirmation bias. Yeah. Um, let, that's, come, come, come to the challenge from a place of curiosity um, and transparency uh, and the knowledge that you don't know it all. Uh, and, and work from there, uh, provide, account for, um, people taking you in directions that you never expected expected to go um because surprises are where the where either the edge cases are or depending on how many how much feedback you get where the real problem is because the other thing too is you may think this is the problem but through design thinking you may realize oh no that's the problem if people outside of design we're able to boil design thinking down into a non-abstract thing, right? For example, the, the, what's in the workshop is seeing uh, a picture of back in like elementary school, those, those plastic seats with the metal legs, but yeah. they have, but they have um, tennis balls on the, on the ends, right? Like, how do you get there? Like what, what were the circumstances uh, that that necessitated this solution. Like, who was this? Who was this solving for? What was the problem? Yeah. Um, what was the intended output? Um, and just analyzing things like that, um, I think, would demystify uh, design thinking to a lot of people and say, "Oh, I do 
design thinking all the time. There's um, a hole in my pants. I sewed it up. Who's that for? That's me. So that nobody sees what's in my pants. You know, what's, you yeah. know things like that, right? So um, I think, uh, yes, it can be used in different uh, contexts, in different industries. Um, but again, I think coming to it from a place of, of curiosity and openness um, and not thinking it's this like large thing can can uh, make the access point much more, uh, well, make it more accessible. When you come, when you embark on a process of design thinking, you cannot be too confident. Yeah. Uh, you can't, uh, like I was saying earlier, you can't come to it from a place of, oh, I'm gonna prove why I'm right. Humility and, and curiosity, I think, go hand in hand. Um, because you're you're disproving your own um, biases, perhaps, um, but also uh, hopefully learning to delve deep into the other end and figuring out, you know, why that thing is the thing you need to be chasing instead of your thing. Let's say I want to honor the uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince from '89. Uh, in Lego, like because of they they boycotted the Grammys because they didn't they didn't televise the first rap Grammy, um, so they didn't go. So what does that look like? Like does that what? Who am I solving for? There's no there's no user per se, but it's about how do you convey the idea um, as clean as possible without people without you having to explain it. Um, so does that look like a Grammy throwing through a TV? No, not necessarily. Um, does that look like building, um, you know, the set from the video with all the different spray paint? No, that's too expensive. Um, so then you get to the crux of the matter is that they weren't there. So then you end up building um, like empty seats, hmm. uh, right? But in order for the concept to really sing, then you need to put some motifs in the seat so that you know that it's that it's related to um you know those two people so in this model i have a set of porsche keys and a large watch that are from the video and then in the other set i have two, um i have two uh vinyls you know for the dj on on the turntable so um but I also built the Grammy too. Yeah. In like, right. Just, just to bring it on the way home. So, um, I think from there, there's a lot of, there's like surprise and delight because I'm also having to research. I'm having to look at yeah. the circumstances around it and seeing what else I want to include in the piece. Um, and, and seeing what's relevant, what's not relevant. How can I convey this idea in as few pieces as possible? Um, while still maintaining maximum impact. Um, so I think as far as how design thinking, you know, inspires me, that's kind of how, a little bit of how I use it in Lego stuff that I do. Um, how, who inspires me uh, in this field? Um, 
there are different like Lego designers that inspire me. Mm. If I, you know, there's there's a guy that's local. There's a few guys. Um, um, but as far as like proper design, um, that's always been a hard question for me because I've been a self-taught visual designer. So I've not really had um, the, the, the industry knowledge to say, oh, like I want to follow more of this person or I want to see what they do. That's never been yeah. of interest to me. Um, maybe that's a gift and a curse. Um, but, but that's also why I put the summit on. Yeah. Because I'm learning too. Like I'm, I put this on so I can know like who the, who the canonized designers of my time and before my time were. Yeah. So that I can learn the work more deeply. Um, I've never been one to look at my career in a linear fashion. Uh-huh. Like I want to go from here to here to here to here. Um, I look at my ex- experiences as a spider web. Uh-huh. Um, so like if I'm in the middle, it's fine. It's, it's, it's five o'clock. It's yeah. all good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, if I'm in the middle, um, then something I'm interested in may be over here, but then something else is over here, but they're totally like unrelated, but yeah. they both have the contact point of me. So um, my long-term goal as a designer, I just want to express myself honestly, be of service and make dope shit. Well, that podcast offered some uh, amazing insight and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, so Natalie, uh, how do you, how do you think that place in identity impacted uh, Randall's work? I think place serves as not only an inspiration for Randall's creation, but also a way in which to design for people and communities to serve a purpose. This involves understanding the place and surroundings of an area to successfully design anything. Mm-hmm. And then Randall's identity as a black designer is critical and at the forefront of any work he does. The Hue Design Summit came out of this intersection of design and his identity as it helped to provide a space that could facilitate dialogue, grow skills, and build connections among other designers of color. So, um, Randall's identity and experiences have largely shaped his career and interest in the design design realm. Above all, he values finding inspiration in all places and contexts, and he uses this to shape his uh, individuality and design. From his experiences in architecture, uh, the initial path he uh, thought for himself uh, to pursue professionally. He came to understand how to design within the fabric of a community one is in. So whether this is by fitting in or deliberately contrasting the design within the community. Randall internalizes how designs may be received by different people and how one must design for people who may consume information and experience it differently. And just like you mentioned, Randall's uh, work with the U Design Summit. Uh, he aims to give voices to people that are not usually heard or seen. And at this conference, he is able to share how he thinks uh, uh, through the lens of his black identity and considers how demographics and populations might feel as well. So I love the fact that he's empowering people who look like him to be able to do some of the same things that he's trying to do. Um, so is there anything that you learn from them about uh, design thinking, social innovation? Um, 
Yeah, I think he made some really good comments about assumptions on value aren't based on the final product. They're based on the steps and decisions you made in the process of designing that product. Like, what were your choices informed by? What are their intentions for the product? Randall then goes on to talk about this is where design thinking comes into play into this process and why it's important. Design thinking helps to understand the user's wants and needs. And so those things can then go into the decisions made in the process part of designing the product. So uh, I completely agree with you, uh, Natalie. You hit, you hit the nail on the head. Um, so what I picked up from Randall is that design thinking is it's the process that goes into it. The design is just the output and the process of, of it all is where the value is. One simply cannot design something and claim it valuable without having gone through a process that marks the design's intentions that offer it value. So it's pretty much the process is what is where you find your true value in designing. Yeah, exactly. So we're both students who are not formal designers. What advice did you take away from this episode for non-designers who are using design methods? So as a non-designer, the advice that I took away from this uh, is that, um, um, so from Randall's point of view, uh, the advice mostly concentrated around empathy, and he emphasized how important it is to uh, not to work off uh, one's own uninformed opinion and not to steer the conversation uh, in favor of the answer that is, you know, that everyone thinks is right. So he encourages both designers and non-designers to acknowledge that they the fact that they do not know everything. So you got to approach each challenge each day, each project uh, with curiosity and transparency. So what about you, Natalie? What did you take away from this? Um, I completely agree with what you just said, Max. I think Randall talking about coming into each challenge with curiosity and the knowledge that you don't know it all is so important. I feel as though this curiosity is critical to using design methods because it allows you to explore all options in any process, but especially the design process. This acknowledgement that you may not know it all can help us better at emphasizing or, or be more empathetic with who we may be working for or who we are designing for. Agreed. Was there anything that surprised you that you didn't agree with or that inspired you? So something he said that I truly agreed with is that a designer should have an informed, keyword informed opinion and hypothesis that aims to be as objective as possible in in favor of the user's uh, preferences and preconceived notions. You should allow yourself to learn and listen before you come to any conclusion. This will allow you to make informed decisions and gain knowledge that you can use uh, for your project. So this this, uh, statement is completely hit home for me with something that I also uh, use in my daily daily life uh you know it's always learn and listen as i mentioned before i do come from a military background so that was part of the discipline i was taught growing up is to learn to listen to uh to observe and to take into account each part each story before you make a decision or react to something um so what about you natalie was there anything he said that surprised you anything that you agreed with or did not agree with yeah, and something we've uh, touched on a little bit is like the one thing that really inspired me was his statement on do not work off of your own uninformed opinion, like you talked about. This is so important to everyone, not just to designers, but to everyone. We have access to all the knowledge in the world, and we have the ability to actively listen to people's life experiences. 
I think the design, the design process becomes better when we recognize that we are not as informed as we think we are. And if we aren't informed at all, how can we change that? Who do we need to interview and listen to? Completely agree, Natalie. Um, how do you think the world would be a better or worse place if more people use the skills that Randall mentioned? Yeah, Randall mentioned skills that everyone could use in their work and life. He speaks of empathy, creating processes of value, and approaching challenges with curiosity and transparency. These skills are not meant to be just for designers. They can be utilized for everyone and by everyone. Randall's comments on making sure to have an informed opinion is a useful skill for everyone that can positively impact the world if more people sought to make sure they gathered all types of knowledge and listened to everyone's experiences. What about you? So I think that if we learn to empathize, like Randall mentioned, if we learn to empathize with each other, the world would be a much, much, much better place than it is right now. I think that if we learn to be as objective as possible about things, and listen to each other's side uh it will help us make uh it will help us find common ground and if we listen just listen to each other and come to terms with the fact that we have a lot more to learn um about the world and about and and about each other it will make the world a better place at all so if we could all just learn to listen and observe and try to see where why people think the way that they do why they act the way that they act um i think the world would be a better place we'll we'll definitely have more peace and we will be you know not 50 whatever how many different races but one race and that will be the human race and i hope that we all can take Randall's advice into account so um thank you natalie for uh joining us today and for our listeners out there, we want to know what what do you think. Please feel free to reach out uh, to the Taylor website and let us know what you thought about this episode in the comments. And thank you once again, Natalie, for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. We hope you enjoyed this interview from our Hello from the Pluriverse series. A special thank you to Arturo Escobar, the author of Designs for the Pluriverse, for opening the space for conversations about pluriversality in design. Many thanks as well to all of our interviewees, our Design Thinking student team, Ruby, Lupe, Delaney, Tran, and Wissal, the students of the Fall 2019 SICE 30 class, Levante, Lucas, our editor, and the rest of the team at the Taylor Center at Tulane. If you have any suggestions for our program, please email your comments, suggestions, and questions to taylor at tulane.edu. And also you can visit our website at taylor.tulane.edu.